I'm Mark Bell and thanks for joining me for our final 2017 episode of the Director's Notes podcast. If we cross paths in 2011, it's more likely than not I chewed your ear off about how taken I was with Dustin Guy Defay's debut feature, Bad Fever, a film which topped my list of favourites for that year. Needless to say, I've been eagerly awaiting Dustin's follow-up, which made its appearance at the London Film Festival earlier this year. I took the opportunity to catch up with Dustin to discuss film formats, his changing perspectives on life and filmmaking, and how he continued to hone his skills and directorial voice between features by constantly making shorts, one of which became the well-received precursor to his new feature, Person to Person. So Dustin, welcome back to Director's Notes. Thanks, happy to be here. Yeah, we were just saying before I hit record that it is six years since we last spoke for um, Bad Fever, which is nuts, frankly. And given, well, at least you know, my strong reaction, and I think as well you've got you know, quite a general strong reaction to Bad Fever, that seems like a long period, you know, six years in between the two films, your new film, Person to Person. What have you been up to in the time in between? And did you intend to make a feature before now? You know, what took so long? You really hope that that length of time is not going to be so long. I'm really, you know, trying to make sure that doesn't happen again. It's a frustrating time period. Yes, I had written another feature and I had, uh, I had planned to do that. It wasn't a big movie, but uh, financing is quite hard and um, those producers couldn't find the money. And at the same time, I also didn't believe in the project strongly enough to wait. Um, I was very impatient and I also felt like that movie that movie and its themes, I felt like I was only really willing to deal with them for a certain time period. Uh, so also with that frustration, I was also making a lot of short films, which I needed to do, or I was really going to get down on myself, and I also felt like it was a very good way to keep in practice and to keep learning, which is always, you know, the idea. So by the time I hadn't made this short film that has the same title as the feature called Person to Person, basically by making that short film, I said to the producers of that film at least, I said, listen, well, I knew building up, I said, you know, if we're not going to make a movie this year, I'm not going to want to make this movie next year. And I sort of think they maybe didn't believe me, but I, I, was, very, I was very demanding and said, that's actually the case. I really don't feel like these things are going to work for me anymore. Yeah. So I've been in that project. So, so there has been that in between, but I guess more importantly in between has been the short films, which... Mm -hmm. I keep thinking I should count them just to see how, how many there are, but there are a number of them. I think there are, I don't even know how many there are. I think there are maybe uh, seven wow. or, or, or something like that. Was it like a process of almost retooling your, your skill set? Because yeah. you know, a lot of film directors, they'll make the shorts, then it's features, and then kind of yeah, it shouldn't, the shorts yeah, behind. It's a backwards way of doing it, um, certainly. Yes, absolutely. I still wanted to hone skills for sure, and I needed to do that. So they were a sharpening of many ways, but they were also expressions. Each one of them actually I'm expressing a different thing that I needed to express at the time. Person to person, the short, isn't really a proof of concept short, although kind of tonally it is, yeah. but not dramatically. How do you yeah. see their relationship and how the short paved the way for the feature? It's interesting because I keep changing my own style and I keep pushing myself in different directions and I'm, I'm very interested in that. I don't want to pigeonhole myself as an artist. I felt like everything, uh, not everything I've made, but a couple of different things that I've made have felt like little breakthroughs basically in person to person. The short definitely felt like a breakthrough in regards to writing mostly and directing also, but I felt like I found some kind of exciting rhythm and also exciting sort of casualness with the plot and things like this and a funness. Um, and a humor that I got very excited about. So those things 
I knew I wanted to carry over into a feature. Um, and I knew, yes, tonally and, and rhythmically, I was sort of sticking to the same kind of thing. But I wanted to expand and further that whole rhythm and um, comedy and drama mix that I had found with the short. It's a very New York film, but also without being too on the nose New York. Maybe, you know, character-wise it's very, very New York, but it's not like, you know, we're seeing all the landmarks as we go through the film. Yeah, I purposely avoided landmarks. I mean, we've seen them, and it's very tempting to shoot them because they're very good for production design on that kind of scale. But um, I feel like it is a very New York movie, and it is a love letter-ish kind of movie for to New York. And I was going for a certain kind of New York feeling that I feel when I'm there, which is an interconnectedness. You do see a lot of hostility from people. You do see a lot of aggressiveness from people. But one thing I do love about New York is a certain generosity that these people have for each other. And um, you do see people helping each other out a lot. And, and you can almost know that if, you're in, if something happens to you on the street, people are going to take care of you. And I don't necessarily feel that in a lot of cities. Yeah. So I did feel like I wanted to express some of that stuff, and I was exploring some of that stuff. But even in doing so in that, in that regard, in terms of the human element of the movie, I also wanted to almost... It wasn't like an intentional thing. It's not a, a giant ambition of like transcending the New York movie or transcending New York City or anything like that. But I did want to, I guess, and you know, it's not even going above that kind of thing, but it's actually going sort of below that thing in regards to finding a, a more, I guess you could call it a universal interconnectedness feeling. Yeah. You wrote it with um, Benny Coppersmith in oh, mind, yeah. you know, given the fact also that he was in, in the short. But it is full of New York character actors. Or if you're into a certain kind of film and you're into Broad City and the likes, you've seen all these faces pop up. So how did you go about casting and you know, pulling all these various people in? And did you write other parts for other people who were in your circle of filmmakers? The only person who I really wrote the part for was Benny. I had Toby Gevinson in mind. Uh, when I was writing Wendy, but I never imagined that she'd actually end up in the movie. But otherwise, no, I, I didn't write for anybody else. But I also, even in the writing, I knew I was going to fill a movie with a lot of what you could call non-actors, I guess, and um, more professional actors and friends, and even filmmaker friends and and people in, you know in the filmmaking community, but also just in the community at large. I'm like Benny's friend Steve is in the movie, as Gary, the like junk shop owner, people like that, and then like the bodega guys in that one little scene where Benny walks in, those you know the guys work at that bodega. So I knew I was going to go for that vibe. And the idea behind the movie, a lot of it was, you know, how could I pull off different tones and different kinds of vibes, basically, and put them in the same movie. Even though the characters don't overlap necessarily, but characters that normally wouldn't belong in a movie together. Mm-hmm. And all the stories are very New York stories to me, and yet um, Benny, as a person, gives off a natural sort of classic New York character vibe. So. I knew he was going to, you know, emit that kind of thing. Um, whereas Tavi and you know Wendy and the teenagers, um, I've been around, you know, I would say Upper Manhattan intellectual situations, and so I don't know it necessarily intimately. So I think some of that even comes from my sense of movies. I don't think it's conscious, but I think it's probably unconscious that stuff. So what I'm trying to say is that I think there's some very authentic New Yorkness in the movie, and then I think there's some things that are sort of flights of fantasy on my part 
that's why I think it's a New York movie and not a New York movie in some ways. I mean, I think it's still a very, very New York movie. Yeah. And the things that happen in the movie have to happen in New York. But I also think there's stuff that I don't know very well enough to capture that's authentic. You know, that I don't consider authentically New York because, yes, I've been surrounded by the filmmaking community and stuff like that, but I've been surrounded a little bit more by street drama and Benny and things like that. So I feel like I know that stuff a little bit better. There's a really joyful, whimsical nature of the film, which kind of yeah. makes its way through to the um, score as well. And, you know, I saw the person-to-person short beforehand, but, you know, my connection with you is um, Bad Fever. Was it almost a reaction to go in a different direction? Because Bad Fever, as lovely as, you know, your main character is and how as pure of heart as he is, it's a dark film. And it kind of feels, well, from my perspective, I was curious if it was you went, okay, that's Bad Fever, I'm going to go in another direction for person-to-person. Was that something that you were consciously doing? It's not conscious, but it is it is an organic thing, and it's also reflective of my life. I keep thinking, you know, I would like to make another dark movie. And, you know, it's funny because things are so dark in the news these days, um, and there's such a feeling of dread, and, and um, it's hard to handle some of these things. But at the same time, I'm even the thing I'm writing, which I would say is more serious than anything I've really written, it's still got a lightness. And I think it's just because I'm lighter than I was when I made Bad Fever. I'm just more open and I'm more, I would say, grounded. And I've discovered, you know, what's important to me in life, basically, which is friends and friendship. And so by doing that, I think it just changes my topics and what's coming out of me. Because yeah, you kind of said that you've now discovered where you didn't before, that you believe that there's a place for sensitive people in this world, whereas before you didn't feel that. Yeah, and, you want, and Bad Fever, you know, is, a very, is about a very sensitive person in a very harsh world. That movie, it is autobiographical in many ways. I mean, not the content, but that person um, and um, the feelings about the world. Yeah, I felt that way making the movie, too. I I was struggling very hard to express myself and feeling a little suffocated and and also just very uncertain about my own voice, which is what he's going through. He can't even um, really talk. Yeah. You shot 16mm. What drove that decision? aesthetic is that to go back to some of those classic New York movies or just an aesthetic that you always wanted to capture because again Bad Fever was digital wasn't it if I could have shot a film with that movie I would have I mean film doesn't cost too much money but it costs a little bit and Bad Fever we made with no money at all so I love Super 16 Um, we shot the short on regular 16 and the feature on Super 16 and I think 35 and 16 are better than digital still, even though I, I'm not opposed to digital and uh, I'm very much willing to work in digital. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not against digital and uh, I, I'll work in digital, I'm sure. Um, maybe even my next one. I, I want to shoot on 35, but we'll see. No, with this movie, it just felt like the right kind of feeling. The warmth and the, the textures of, of Super 16 and the slight imperfections, especially when I'm thinking about the characters that seem to work for them. And that's how I wanted to go. Your, your own editor yeah. in this time. So how did the edit go? Because of the way that it's a, such an ensemble piece and the characters, you're not working to some big scene where all the characters come together. So imagine you had quite a lot of leeway in how you brought the pieces yeah. together. I mean, there wasn't too much leeway in that because the movie takes place over one day. There was only so much movement that could actually happen. A piece could only move five minutes or ten minutes each way or it wouldn't make any sense basically or it'd be too long on one character or I mean some characters but yeah that it was actually it took a while and it was very difficult it got much better the more I started to show it to people and get notes and then the edit really came together when somebody had given me a note which was that the movie was too even basically you could feel who was going to show up next 
And so once I realized that that was maybe the problem with the edit, and I started working in that direction, then it all started clicking into place. And so, yeah, I do think the movie plays that you really don't know who's going to come next, or you've even forgotten about somebody and then suddenly they appear. When we spoke the first time, one of the things that you said was um, moving to New York, that it took you a while to find your tribe, but then when you did, you found this wealth of generosity from the likes of um, Joe Swanberg, who's you know exec producer on this film. And I'm curious as to, now you're several years into it, paying that forward and many new filmmakers that you've been working with who mm -hmm. were in your position that you're now in a you know, more advanced position for that and anyone that you feel that we should be looking out for. Oh wow. No, there are a number of people and I do try to um, help people in any way I can and I get excited about people. Yeah, there's a couple people I'm very excited about which are Joanna Arno, who made a short film called Bad at Dancing and a feature called I Hate Myself. I'm very excited for whatever she's going to do. There's another woman named Zia Anger who's working on her first feature. I'm very excited about her too. But yeah, I'm very open to helping people and especially when I see their work and get very excited about it, it it's thrilling and I, you always want them to uh, do good work and to have a good career, but you never know what's gonna happen. I guess it's tough. Yeah, Dustin, it's been fantastic to be able to catch up with you. Hopefully it won't take six years yeah, I next know. time. I know. So, you know, thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Director's Notes podcast this year. We'll be bringing you new episodes in 2018, so now's the perfect time to hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss out. For those of you looking for more filmmaking insights over the holidays, head to directorsnotes.com where we have a host of interviews for your reading pleasure. And of course, our obligatory top 10 lists will be making their appearances over the Christmas period. This is a time of year where I feel it's important to remind you that every time you leave a five-star review for Director's Notes in your favourite podcasting app, a director gets their wings. Speak to you next year.